Hi, and welcome to the Colorado Tech Podcast from the Colorado Technology Association, bringing you insights into our tech community. I'm your host, Franny Matthews. Let's get started. Well, welcome. I am joined today by Dan Powers, the Executive Director of CoLabs. Dan, welcome. And can you tell us about CoLabs? Good morning, Franny. Thank you for having me. Yes, CoLabs is a 14-year-old nonprofit consortium of federally funded research laboratories and joint research institutes on university campuses in Colorado. Uh, we are then also a broader ecosystem of technology companies and engineering companies, economic development organizations, other colleges, and that entire research ecosystem here in Colorado. It is our mission to nurture and connect and tell the story of the value of taxpayer-funded research as a key economic driver in our state and also as an asset to the country. Our vision is that we are supporting scientific research as an asset and as a resource for decisions that improve humanity and that these labs must stay funded and stay here in Colorado. Well, it's very interesting because until a few years ago, I didn't realize how strong we were in Colorado with national labs. So how many national labs do we have in Colorado and how do we compare to other states? Colorado's fortunate to actually have the second highest concentration of federally funded research entities in the country. And I use that word entities because there's technical federal agencies and then there's other federally funded research entities here in Colorado. And when I make that reference, think of there's organizations such as Department of Commerce or Department of Defense and Department of Energy. And then there is the National Science Foundation and other types of federally funded threads that go into entities like the National Center for Atmospheric Research that people may know, or UNAVCO and several other research organizations. And of course, to the research universities that are here too. Yeah, it, I think it's very interesting, and I, I, didn't, I just didn't um, quite understand it, but to me, it seems like it's really important because, first of all, this is where a lot of innovation is happening. I mean, we, most of us know that this is where, you know, the, the internet started with a federal project, mm -hmm. um, and so that's kind of, and I even know it was ARPANET, um, but it's kind of important from an innovation perspective. Um, it, why would you say it's important to, you know, for our state? I mean, economic development, I would think it would bring good jobs. Um, yes, we know. So with our definition of a, quote, federal lab is an entity that's receiving 51% or more of its funding from federal sources. And in that vein, there are close to 40 different research laboratories some are very foundational or fundamental in nature where it's not applied types of research that are coming out and commercializing, but most are involved in some type of commercialization technology transfer and partnerships out of their laboratories. In that way, then there's a nearly $3 billion impact on the state just from the activities of the labs themselves. And then there's the ripple effect into various industries like aerospace, and biotech and clean technology and agricultural technology, public health, the uh, ripple effect here in our states really can't be understated. If you speak to the 
leaders in any of those various industries I just mentioned, I'm sure they would easily be able to describe how there's this Venn diagram with the federal research labs here in Colorado. Yeah, I I would uh, that doesn't that doesn't surprise me, and um, I I just uh, find I I love the idea of the big it's the big play innovation. So when you look at some of the really cool areas that the national labs are engaged in right now, what would be the the big you know kind of key areas that you focus on that you think are really cool for the future? There's a, a few focus areas, but, and I'm a champion of all this science. The, the wow factor of when you realize what's happening in the States is actually a little difficult for any to narrow down on what are the best. But I think there's three that I thought for our conversation I'd like to really scope out, and that's in the realms of clean technology and, and clean energy research and in biosecurity, which touches on public health, but also other types of zoonotic diseases um, uh, and that realm of concern. And then agricultural technology. I believe there's much going on in terms of our food production and food safety and how that crosses over into broader environmental slash ecological research than people may realize. So uh, that's just a start. There's plenty of other ways we could go for Colorado. Uh, I didn't even mention aerospace, for example. Uh, or transportation, but we'll have those on another call then. Well, and I think one of the reasons that we have such a strong aerospace um, infrastructure here is because both military and national labs. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, and, and we really do have a, a really, we're uniquely um, positioned for aerospace to grow uh, from a great base that we have here. Um, let's talk about some examples like clean tech. I, I had, and I'm probably going to mess up the details of this, but I remember that there was some uh, private partner, uh, public partnership with um, Excel Energy on figuring out how to maximize what they're doing uh, with their, their clean tech and making sure that they're using the right energy at the right time. Uh, and that's, you know, kind of the example that I know, but can you talk to us about what's going on in clean tech as it relates to the national labs? Yes. Yeah, so uh, step back and think broadly, the National Renewable Energy Laboratory in Golden uh, has been there for decades. And all of the projects that NREL develops is uh, the genesis of all those are designed so that there will be a commercialization of that research. That's really the, the whole mindset and philosophy of the National Renewable Energy Laboratory is that it'll be actionable, commercializable technology that comes out of all of their work. They currently have about 700 patented or patent pending technologies that are available for licensing. So a company that may already have their own IP or type of business model can look to partner with them and license technologies and then take them out into the market. Uh, they also have over 250 software solutions that are available for licensing. And there's over 900 active partnership agreements that they have currently with companies from the somewhat uh, stereotypical working in their garage or someone working at home with some type of modeling software, all the way up to the large players like Toyota and Exxon and Excel Energy companies like that. Uh, with that as a basic framework, they are, are quite the, the 800 pound gorilla in our state for clean energy technology. 
as an example, I think something that businesses of all sizes should be aware of is not only are there funding and partnership opportunities with the National Renewable Energy Laboratory, but under the umbrella of the Department of Energy, where NREL uh, sits as one of several labs with the Department of Energy, are prize challenges and other types of funded uh, challenges that are put forth for the business community to come forward with a solution to a given problem. And the funding is meant to be there both as um, uh, literally a prize, but also of course a, a nurturing financial vehicle to help them succeed further. Uh, just recently, for example, the lithium, uh, excuse me, lithium ion battery recycling prize challenge that have brought in several companies and they've just recently awarded or moved on to phase two uh, about seven teams that are eligible to continue to win prizes. But what they're looking to do is prove that there's a way to recycle lithium, lithium ion batteries and otherwise put those materials back into the supply chain. And the companies that have just made it to the next round, they've actually received over $350,000 in prize money and are eligible to receive about $100,000 of in-kind support using the staff and the technology and equipment at the National Renewable Energy Lab. And that would be something I'd suggest any technology company in the clean tech realm deeply investigate what the National Renewable Energy Lab has as resources. They're, they really are as open as they can be with both funding and staffing and equipment and partnership operations, uh, partnership opportunities, I should say, to leverage what they have at the National Renewable Energy Lab. Uh, the Department of Energy has 17 federal research labs across the country, and they have a website where you can search for partnership opportunities of all kinds at the, and the, the website is labpartnering.org. And I would suggest that as one of the resources people could check into. Another one that many of your members may be familiar with is the Small Business Innovation Research SBIR program. The federal government offers grants where they describe a type of technology that the government is needing. And then here's the funding opportunity for companies to provide an answer to that need. And that's a, a great resource that I expect may grow and correlate with some of the innovation goals that the Biden administration has. Check that out at sbir.gov. Well, I love that because I mean, scaling the effort to um, you know proactively protect the environment. We're we, you know we're going more toward you know electric cars. We know that's the direction, and it kind of uh, keeps me awake at night on the unintended consequences of the environment because the you know we saw that in the 70s and 80s in Silicon Valley when the computer industry was you know just starting to rev up. And uh, there was a lot of environmental damage as a result of not anticipating what the, the, you know, the fabrication plants were, you know, going to wind up, um, you know, having the impact on the environment. So I love that. Love hmm. it. So yes, I'd suggest if uh, people could just search for NREL and the technology partnership program, that, that would be the term to put in. And boy, the, then the mm -hmm. threads that you will go into uh, that will be most relevant uh, it'll be very obvious. NREL's website is actually, I'd say, one of the best in terms of getting around and seeing what opportunities there are.
That's great. Great to hear. Tell me about biosecurity. All right. So in the realm of biosecurity is, is stepping back and recognizing not only is there public health and disease research and mitigation that we're trying to address. Of course, COVID has really brought that to bear, but it's a bit of a step back and recognizing that there are in human as well as environmental and uh, related infrastructure challenges that all interconnect and cause public health to be uh, perhaps more at risk or just that much more sophisticated and complex to address. And fortunately in Colorado, we have labs that are on the public health side, such as the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Their lab in Fort Collins is actually the only lab outside of Atlanta that they are, are actually doing the kind of research there, um, unlike anywhere else in the country besides Atlanta. And the Infectious Disease Research Center up at Colorado State University is there and their organization Biomark that I'll describe in a moment. But back to that broader network, then there is also research from the United States Department of Agriculture and the United States Geological Survey. And the perspective then that is becoming much more, I'd say recognized, it's been there for a long time with certain scientists and researchers, but now on the civic leadership side and then the public health side is recognizing that we need to take into account, uh, for example, the effects of climate change, bringing to bear uh, impacts on how food production because of droughts or in some ways uh, increased precipitation affects food production. The ability for humans over the last couple of decades to travel around the globe that much easier allows for different pathogens to crisscross around the globe faster than it used to be just 20, let alone 40, 50 years ago. And then there are environmental factors of the human wildlife interface where people are moving more into where there are uh, interactions with wildlife or even just the wildland itself, hence wildfires. I don't want to get too far off on a tangent there, but it's that understanding and the phrase that you may have heard for any of the, the one health paradigm takes into account those three realms of both the kind of ecological and environmental and public health and climate change impacts that are a comprehensive risk factor now for all of humanity. Yeah, yeah, and, and we just see all that complexity and the globalization, it just, it, the, and, and you put technology on top of that, uh, we've got an acceleration of change that we've never seen before, obviously. Um, also, ag tech, I think this is really, you know, going in, you know, it's kind of related to what you just talked about, um, ag tech and, and food supply, and really uh, applying science to be better and better in this area. Can you talk a little bit about some of the things there? Yes. So imagine it, this may be a, a almost a, oh, I never thought of that before kind of perspective, but between the growth of drones or other types of unmanned aerial vehicles and artificial intelligence all the way up into space. We referenced aerospace before, but I think of satellite uh, technology as a manner of earth observation. Those three technology realms and the, the mix between the three of drones, artificial intelligence and satellites are becoming very deeply important resources for assessing all types of uh, soil uh, moisture, 
things like carbon content, atmospheric changes that are being uh, assessed on a minute by minute basis, as well as across large regions. The ag tech realm then in Colorado and a crisscross between NASA and US Department of Agriculture and some other smaller entities, of course, the research universities and the tech companies that are offering their particular IP to help farmers and ranchers and other land managers to assess what the existing uh, status of is a given property or what the trend lines are such that they might change some of their land use management policies. Certainly companies in Colorado who are leveraging the free in many cases or otherwise accessible data from NASA, from US Department of Agriculture, from Department of Interior to inform the technologies that they bring to bear down to uh, individual property owners or other communities who have land management policies that they're trying to evolve. I think it's fascinating. And you think about that, it's not just for, you know, um, you know, vegetables, but I would think that, that it could explode in the taking care of livestock mm -hmm. you know, that are eating off the land and trying to figure out how you best supplement their diet or whatever to, you know, to, to get better yields. And, you know, it just, I, I find it fascinating. Of course, I'm a data nut. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but anyway, I think all of them are just um, amazing, um, you know, discussions on, on the innovation that's happening. And it's not just like big innovation, but it's offering opportunities for small companies with a great idea to come in and participate. There are, I think the, in the ag tech realm as well, the Department of Agriculture has different, uh, say threads of the organization here in Colorado and the National Wildlife Research Center in Fort Collins has a technology transfer office where they're working with drone operators or companies that create software for drones that then are helping to track different wildlife uh, hence their name, uh, wildlife activity, and where the human-wildlife interaction issues are either evolving or otherwise just need to be monitored. And then the Department of Agriculture's research service also is using different types of technology down into genomic research uh, regarding seeds and the DNA sequencing around different types of uh, seed development for food production of course, that will get into the realm of what some people describe as genetically modified organisms, although not necessarily, I, that would be a whole nother show, I think, where we would get into discussing that. But I want to put out that the research that's happening in Fort Collins under the umbrella of the US Department of Agriculture is another realm where anyone interested in food production, food safety and food security should realize that they are doing work right here in the state across numerous field stations and with numerous uh, different research topics. Well, it, it's um, it's just amazing, um, and I, I I just predict that in the next decade we are going to see unbelievable innovation in these areas. Mm -hmm. um, so so uh, you know what do you see as the you know we just talked about some really cool areas if we if you were to put on you know your future glasses what would you think is you're going to see in five to ten years that's a real wow factor uh you know i would make a reference to what's been going on over the last couple of weeks 
with executive orders from the new Biden administration for the next few years guiding where there'll be federal funding and also just federal policy goals that will enable and prompt certain types of technology and innovation developments. And Colorado's really well poised to be in the mix of a, a lot of where those political forces are going to guide us. The climate change theme, addressing COVID in terms of public health, and then the broader biosecurity, uh, those are three realms that will continue to be urgent and prompted with federal goals, federal policy goals, that we will be seeing a lot of activity here in Colorado. To be a little more uh, specific, when it comes to the climate change realm and the various climate change or severe weather and ecology-oriented research entities that are in Colorado, the president's, uh, President Biden's goals for addressing climate change concerns will rely heavily on the research that's happening in NOAA and NCAR and uh, several other entities that are here. What's most fascinating, Francie, is quickly there is the, the advancing ability of private companies to aggregate the data that these federal agencies accrue or otherwise make available and then bring them to bear as the rationale and the insightful analysis to inform public policy. So when extreme weather might be a better way to think of how climate change research really comes down to uh, uh, being a bit more tangible. And in our area of Colorado or our state of Colorado, wildfire research and severe weather around drought or hail or flooding, the technology that we'll be developing uh, in partnership with federal research labs over the next few years in that realm, I think will be something that ripple effect ripples out into being an asset to the rest of the country. I find that fascinating because if you link that work to the economy of it, I mean, the, 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 the there's amazing, amazing economic loss from these huge wildfires that we're seeing, from these huge storms that we're seeing, from the hailstorms that we're seeing in Colorado. That, you know, I, my assumption, it's, it's all anecdotal, but it's a lot worse than it was 40 years ago. Um, and, you know, the impact and destruction of that is, you know, it just on the hail alone um, probably closes the economic equation for doing the research and coming up with better solutions or, you know, ways of mitigating, um, you know, what we're seeing now. Mm -hmm. Yes, and I think, so I'm mentioning climate change. The, the, the word zoonotic, or the phrase, zoonotic diseases is one that I think all Americans should get to understand more. Uh, COVID is a zoonotic disease, and that is a naturally occurring viral threat that comes out of nature, in essence, that comes from the animal kingdom outside of humans, and then affects our ability, our health, uh, and our ability to engage as we normally would. Uh, COVID has been this dramatic example. The research from ecologists and from public health experts and from even uh, climate change researchers 
that zoonotic diseases already exist, but all of those other factors we discussed earlier are just making them the mix and the almost the recipe for such diseases to manifest is continuing to grow and, and in many ways will only get more oh, risky, if I could use that word. And as much as we can prepare as individuals, but I'd say more so our civic leaders and our political leaders to understand how can we help mitigate and or prepare for when another zoonotic disease or threat is coming our way. That is where the research from our federal research labs and their partners in all sorts of technology companies can be a resource and really be proactive, can be insightful and even visionary to be sure that we're aware of just how complex things are and where their business solutions can come to play to help make us a little bit safer, a bit more resilient is really the best word I'd say. I would imagine from my experience with Colorado Technology Association members, the ones that are the most successful and have the best business model they're developing, it's at least implied, if not overtly part of their business model, resiliency. That exactly. They yeah. know where the they're The whole going. idea is stay in the game, right? The whole yeah. idea is to grow and stay in the game. And that's that's sustainability. And, mm -hmm. you know, we're we're... You certainly have learned in the last year that you've got to be able to withstand the blow and also uh, punch into innovation, not reluctantly. Um, if you're sitting on the sidelines, you put yourself at big risk. You got to be figuring out how you change your game and how you change your business model uh, in these times of distress. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to... Um, to go back a little bit, you talked about the new administration and you talked about, you know, kind of a science forward kind of view. Is there anything else from a policy perspective you think we might might be expecting out of the Biden administration? Over the next three months, the Biden administration following his inauguration had sent out directives to several federal agencies that I think will impact various realms of Colorado's technology industries. In particular, uh, the, there's a direction that the Office of Science and Technology Policy, within 100 days, will get back with a report on the strategies to address climate change that already exist within federal agencies, and also the necessary technologies that either exist already, so think clean technology or, or other pollution reduction technologies, etc., even extreme weather assessment technologies, but also what is required. And on the heels of what is required from these reports, there's a few others that are in the realm of agriculture, that are in the Department of Energy, that are in Department of Transportation. But on the heels of these reports that have been prompted over the next few months will be, here's what we need and here's how much it will cost. And the next round for CTA members to be aware of, I would say, are where the prize challenge or outright grants or other types of partnership opportunities will be with the federal government to help solve what they have identified as priority technology needs to address climate change and then public health and the, the COVID realm. That will be where there's another realm of uh, opportunities. But keeping an eye out on that, really, in the next three months, what we will see as here's the list Here's how much it'll cost. We understand it. Here's the money that Congress is going to put towards it, or at least he's going to suggest Congress put towards it. And boy, I think opportunities for purposeful uh, 
important, uh, pro like profoundly necessary technologies are going to be revealed out of these reports and Colorado companies should be ready to jump on and really put their businesses to a, a great cause for our country and humanity to address those challenges. I love it. I, I love it. Well, Dan, I really appreciate you joining us today. I think this was a fascinating discussion about innovation and a, an, you know, a positive look for as we move forward. Um, you know, it, as we wrap up, um, how can people find out more about CoLabs and understanding what the national labs are doing in Colorado? People can get more information at co-labs.org. And my email is dan at co-labs.org. Uh, people can also check our social media. We're on LinkedIn and Twitter, and they can get frequent updates on events and news and just great options and opportunities to connect with the labs through our social media feeds as well. Well, terrific. Dan, thank you so much for your time today. It was a fascinating conversation. We're glad you were in our state doing the work that you're doing. Thank you very much. And thanks. I love watching what the CTA membership is up to because those are the companies really manifesting on the leading edge, some of the most brilliant science that there is in, in the world. Thanks.